0: Welcome to the Strength Talking Shop podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. We talk all things strength, coaching, fitness, nutrition, powerlifting, strongman. If it involves a barbell, we're going to talk about it. We are presented by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. We all know that protein is the key to muscle recovery. And Gold Standard's best-selling 100% whey protein provides 24 grams of protein that mixes easily using just a glass and spoon. Gold Standard 100% whey is made in their state-of-the-art facility. It's banned substance tested by Informed Choice. And with Optimum Nutrition Athletics Program, you can get different items such as their Pro Gainer, which is their Mass Gainer, protein snacks such as their crisp bars, wafers, cake bites, and almonds. And after dominating the sports and nutrition industry for over 30 years, Newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings that same trust and quality that knows how to put convenient options for protein in the hands of athletes who desire to become bigger, stronger, and better at their sport. If this is something that you're interested in and getting into your facility, reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics. Down in the show notes, he's got his email. Dave and the team at Optimum Nutrition Athletics are absolutely amazing. They'll get everything that you need. I use their products every single day. I use the Gold Standard 100% way for my post-workouts. If I need something quick for protein on the go throughout the day. And also, if I need to grab a snack, I'll just grab one of the almonds, uh, some of the cake bites, and then also the crisps. Absolutely love the crisps and the almonds. So make sure you reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics, and thank you for being our sponsor. What's up, guys? Strength Talking Shop podcast. I am very excited um, to have uh, John Sue on here. Um, He is a performance uh, coach with Future what's going on john
1: how are you doing how you doing matt
0: fantastic you know we chatted obviously before the podcast um john's awesome guy very interesting awesome story background and everything like that um so i'm really excited to have you on here today man you know for the listeners we've all got this story on how we got into training people strength and conditioning the weight room and stuff like that man i'm always interested in hearing people's story what's yours
1: Uh, as far as getting into training, uh, I think it's pretty common, right? Like most strength coaches turned out to be like a failed athlete or, you know, didn't turn out, something didn't happen and there's levels to everything, right? And the levels of like failed athlete, you got to put me like somewhere in the bottom, right? Like born in 89 in Memphis, grew up in Mississippi and, uh, most of the coaches back then didn't know genetics. They didn't know like uh you know human potential things like that. So um, tried hard at everything. Didn't know how to quit. Somehow got looped into soccer in high school. That's like the only sport I kind of played. Um, that one of my best friends now. He's the one that brought me in into soccer. Right, and then I thought I had a shot to make it in that didn't happen and then uh life happened for like a few years and then I uh, found a barbell right i had a pretty influential person put a barbell in my
0: hand and like really haven't looked back since then. i love hearing that man like it just takes one little one person to be able to affect you right and we talked yep. about we talked before the podcast like one person you can change you know 500 700 people if you do it correctly
1: for sure for sure for
0: sure I think it's super important to understand that as a coach too, as well, but I love that you talk, you talked about that. You didn't know how to quit. How has that kind of helped you along the road, the road, man? Cause I think for me, that's like half the battle with everything. Just don't quit. Keep showing up, keep rolling, keep it's, rolling.
1: Man. Like some people do, you know, some people do that of like pure confidence. Like they're not going to quit. Like I feel like mine comes out of like, just being like completely like delusional and like dumb <laughs> at it sometimes, you know, like it's like, I just wanted to make it in something right like whether it was like sports and like in middle school it was like mostly school and academic traditional conservative Korean home but not like a real conservative Korean home because my mother's she's Korean but she's completely Americanized southern draw anything with the an I or IGHT sounds like a southern woman even though she's Korean right yeah so all of that but like in high school it was like me and the boys just liked varsity blues too many times so I was like oh I want to do that like I want I want a letterman jacket right
0: yeah exactly so I
1: tried so hard to get that and like it was soccer I was like I tried so hard to get that jacket but then after that it was like and I have no skills college wasn't great you know I didn't really do well in college for like the first three four years of my life and then uh yeah like the, my cousin you know now he's like my older brother She's pretty like my older brother figure like you know put the barbell in and he taught me he taught me how to not quit like he taught me how to have a routine and a discipline and how to make it in things and it was kind of like one of the best things probably the best life lesson I ever learned
0: oh man like if you can own have discipline and that ownership you know you hear those people talk about that all the time I mean that's that's the road that that's the path to success in my opinion success can be defined in so many different ways but for sure I, I think being able to be taught that as a young as a young kid, is super important, and you learned that along the way by striving.
1: Yeah, it was, I was nineteen. I was nineteen. He's he's a unique he's a unique older brother figure. He's a uh, in the Marine Corps, you know, at force recon, okay. that type of guy, right? Um, really, like our families are pretty close, so it's kind of like his his pops, like was good to my old man kind of full circle a few years later right 10-15 years later um man, i was heading down like a dark road nineteen to 20s right you know typical party typical yeah. party that for self-sabotaging that life and he didn't like that too much i was being disrespectful to my parents joined the marine corps that was the choice that was like that was the option for me Join the marine corps i didn't get in i couldn't enlist because i have hearing loss i have degenerative hearing loss so I'll, I'll be deaf by like 45 46. but uh like my time with him was all barbell all training, wow. all barbell, all routine, work out twice a day, how to be locked in, how to have a, you know, what do you do when motivation runs out? Like he, he showed me all that
0: because he was doing that every day. And then like, he just taught me how to do it. That's why I think the weight room can be so important to people is like two to three days a week. It's non-negotiable.
1: Then you not, start to realize
0: what the other non-negotiables in, in your life are, right? 100%, 100%, 100%. So when you're dealing with, so with future, um, if people don't know what future is, can you kind of explain that to them real quick too, as well. And then we can kind of dive into why, like, probably that's super important to be able to understand that consistency and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Oh, what was the first question? Yeah. About future?
0: Yeah. About future. Yeah. So like what you do with that future.
1: Yeah. So I'm just a performance coach, right? I'm, I'm one of the coaches, you know, obviously we have engineers, we have leads, we have, we have different you know, different parts of the team. I'm on the performance team and uh, I coach clients. And the goal, I, I'm gonna do a bad job of explaining this because I not, I'm not the one that created this company, right? But it's like, the goal is to take high performance to the masses, the yep. way I understand it, right? How can we get proper training, proper education, the things that you and I know from the performance world and make it available for general population and easy to understand.
0: Right, exactly. I love you. So there's a, I went to Future and I was, when I was junior your bio, man, I love the quote that you had on there of, you know, eat the elephant one bite at a time, you know, being able to teach that. Or do you try and teach that to your clients too, as well, and the people you're working with?
1: 100% clients or athletes. I always start with the most easiest, like basic thing. Like I'm not trying to give them like rocket science. I'm not trying to talk over them with some high level programming or, you know, it's just like make it easy as possible and like life application. Right. And that might come from like my brain. Like if I see a graph or a chart with more than two or three lines, like 10 lines and a bunch of numbers, uh, my brain is checked out. I'm like, oh, that's too complicated for me. So it's uh, how do we make it easy for people to understand?
0: Man, I could not agree more with that. It's like sometimes you feel like people are in a room and they're just trying to outsmart everybody with the way that they talk. And it's like, man, like if we just – just chill out a little bit, have an easy conversation and make this as easy as possible. We can all get a benefit from this. So if you're a coach, like that's so true. So true in what you said, man. Like just talk to them like as a normal person. And I hate to use the word layman's term, but just make it easy for them to understand. I want you to do X, Y, and Z. For sure. And it's
1: like, and having, you know, you've heard this, like having the ability to deliver that same message in like 10, 15, 20 different ways.
0: Yeah, right? that's like,
1: true. You know, people learn differently and everyone had different learning skills Like the way they take in information with like auditory visual and then like your, the, your athlete's background, your client's background matters, right? Like being in the weight room, talking to a wide receiver from Miami, no parents, you know, he's got 10 siblings at home, it's different than talking to your QB from Carolina, both parents, suburbia, that's a
0: same athlete, same team, but you got to deliver the message a little different. I think that's very, very important in what you said because you've got to be able to communicate what you want to express to the athlete or the client or whoever it is in the way that they can understand. I I think you just nailed on the head with the auditory and visual thing because how many times would you demo something for for somebody and they just would not get it? But as soon as you said one cue, they got it.
1: They got it. They got Everyone just got different ways to learn. And I think it's like the coach has to. I think coaches need to study that. I think coaches need to understand, like, oh, like not everyone learns the same way.
0: Yeah, it's kind of in the sense of like a lot of coaches they get lost in the sets and the reps, right? It's more uh, I found it's more of the psychology is where 100%. you you really start to see the the biggest gains come from the athletes and from your whether that's your strength program, whether that's your personal training clients or whatever that is, right?
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent, I hundred percent agree with that. It's just like. Cause it's like, everyone's going to learn different, you know? And then along the way, it's just like, things change. Things change on the day-to-day, 24 like, seven. Me and you might have a good day today. The next day it's flat tire, things popping yeah. off, bad day at work. And like, you have to be able to deliver the information in that, in that frame of mind. Right.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure you've probably run into that too, before, you know, working where you're at now, because like life happens with, 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 with. With people, right? So I've got a young kid; he gets sick, or my wife gets sick, or something happens. Like life's gonna happen. You've got to be able to adapt and everything like that. And I think as a coach, you've got to be very, very good at being able to adapt and change on the fly with a lot of things.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that part for sure. For
0: yeah, sure. man. So kind of diving back into your your background, man. So you've made a lot of different stops at a lot of different places. What have you kind of found to be successful? You know, we talked about, obviously, a lot of things. What have you found to be successful for yourself as a coach?
1: Being consistent. I think consistency was, like, the most important thing. That was, like, the biggest example I took from like, most of my mentors. They they weren't too high. They weren't too low. They were themselves and their personality pretty consistently 24-7. I was like, oh, I need to learn how to do that. And then the mentors I really look up to the most was, like, their routine. Like, their routine before work their routine during their workout, what they're doing, you know, setting up for a group, their wind down routine. Some coaches don't have a routine, so they're always kind of like healthy skills. They're kind of busy, but it's like, for me, the mentors I'm around, like that I kind of mimic are like, oh, they have like a reason. They have like a three-step routine for each everything they do. Then so me doing that allows me to kind of like hopefully not be busy. We get busy. Everyone gets busy, right? But like yeah. having a routine, having a setup, like a system for each thing, like it helps me out a lot for sure.
0: So really you were finding what makes them so successful and seeing how you could implement it throughout your day.
1: Yeah, I'm a copycat. I'm a big mimicker. That's how I played sports. That's how I do anything. Yeah. It's like, oh, what are, what are these 10 people doing? I can't do those things, but oh, I can do this, this, and this, and this and turn that into a routine and a habit and just kind of run with it.
0: Well, it's funny that you say that. So I was just reading something. I can't remember what book that was the other day and they were talking about how um, th- they would have these kids watch tv i think it was tennis players and they would mimic the tennis players and they would mimic what was successful with the tennis players and then they would take that on and like that place is like had some of the top tennis players ever come out of there right so i mean 100%. success there's the success leaves a lot of clues
1: yeah and i think like at a young age that like most children are mostly visual learners up until yes. like seven ten years old and then like they start you know language you know vocabulary starts increasing they're able to convert have a conversation and then they start learning a little bit more auditorily, but I think early age it's just visual learning. And like you might remember this before YouTube. Like I didn't have a I didn't have YouTube for a while, right? Oh. So it's like I had to go to like Suncoast videos, get like NBA ankle breaker, like VHS and DVDs, you know, and like, that's like what I was watching for like soccer and everything. And then YouTube came around. I was like, oh I can let me kind of copy this, right? Like yeah. I think people have to lock, coaches, teachers have to lock in onto like, oh, like people learn differently. Oh, he's a visual learner, math to auditory learner. Some people might be tactile, like what you're saying. They just kind of go through the movements, learn as they're doing it. So it's just like, we got to buy into that.
0: Yeah, I can 100% agree with that. I think it's, you got to find what makes them successful and you've got to, and once you find it, you've got to keep going with that, right? And it's going to take no, a sorry. lot of a trial and error. You know, there's going to be a lot of failure with that too, and as well. I know early in my career, there's a lot of things I wish I would have done differently, <laughs> that would have maybe changed how you know different outcomes would have had. But you know, it's all about learning from the process, failing a few times, and then you just kind of move forward from there. What are some things that you've learned along the road?
1: In failure, yeah, or just along the uh, failure, man. I- I don't think I've ever been successful at anything. Like, I feel like I've failed at everything. And then, like, now I'm just, like, a 32-year-old combination of a 1,000 failures and, like, <laughs> trying to teach your mistakes. Uh, right. It's kind of like what I like to do with clients, really, just kind of teach them my own mistakes, things I learned along the way. Hey, I did this. It didn't work. Maybe you should try this. Kind of like what we talked about before, like, making it relatable. Um, I think, like, the biggest failure I ever had was, like, sometimes not realizing how like my own decisions and things kind of affect the people around me, mm, you know that yeah. type of mindset, right? And then that that personal life or professional life, like how you talk to people, you know, like coaches, you know, you've seen coaches, mofo people, like, yeah, like, you know, it might be necessary, but that also, it's your perception, like your reputation and you know, it kind of affects your staff, it affects your athletes. Like, I wasn't aware of that for a long time.
0: Yeah. I, look, I've i run into that too, as well, man. You just like kind of run down there and be like, ah, oh, man, I really wish I wouldn't have said or done that, but it doesn't mean that we can't learn from those mistakes and everything like that. And I think that's, what's beneficial is that we're able to now share that with other people. Of like, Hey, I For made sure. this. And that's why I love that you talk about that with your clients. It's like, Hey, I made this certain mistake. Here's how I would go through. It. And I always talk about this, like, and how it's, that's why I think it's so important to have good mentors and a tight circle around you because you could always be like hey i've run into x y and z situation x situation have you run into this before and usually if you have a good tight circle one of them has run into that issue for you before and they've already run through the brick wall and they can say hey man like this is the crap i went through here's how i got through it right so you talked about earlier having mentors i think that's huge
1: hundred percent. I, I, I like me, that tight circle, you know, some people call it like a circle of five for others. It might be like seven, right? Like, it's just like, like my, my temperament, I'm pretty stubborn. Like I'm a pretty stubborn guy. I might be like overly confident sometimes. And like my circle are the ones that I go to, to tell me, no, you know, like, or they might disagree with what I'm doing and I don't understand why they're disagreeing, but I just take their answer as is and try to figure out why they were disagreeing a few days from now.
0: Right. Yeah. So you and your background too as well you you've done some powerlifting stuff too as well right
1: Man I've done some powerlifting uh and honest truth like my competition were like local gym one they weren't even like USPA USAPL you know they're just like just competing locally didn't really ever do great I coached powerlifting officially for a year you know that's, How was that, that was my train that was, oh USAPL local school in Mississippi um I got lucky man I got so lucky just walked into the most mississippi story um (laughs) so i got hired at this school to be a sociology teacher because that was my educational background was actually social work so they hired hired me to teach psychology and sociology awesome i get there they also give me u.s government so like all these mississippi kids were walking in to u.s government there's this asian guy teaching right you know got like a cotton field and a cornfield behind the school and stuff like that um school was a powerhouse, powerhouse and powerlifting, powerhouse and powerlifting. They've won a lot. I was the assistant track coach. Okay. I've never had any background in track. There was just the education system. They just handed me track. And then uh, the wide receivers coach was like, Hey man, you want to switch? Like I got powerlifting. I was like, Oh man, I got track. I don't know anything about track. I was like, Dude, let's switch. I was like, all right, let's switch. Let's do it. So we made it happen. And then so the coach previous to this team, and this is the guy that kind of, the coach behind the scene, uh-huh. he's an assistant coach at Florida state now, straight the condition. He's my best friend in the professional world. We're linked together. We won, we won together. And uh, he was, he was a GA at the time at Memphis, coming back to coach, helped out at the school. And I was the assistant. We didn't really vibe well for like two weeks. Yeah, we're, just, mm-hmm. we're trying to figure each other out right you know what you want to call it ego confidence you know trying to be the you know the big peacock in the gym right yeah but um man that first meet first meet we ran with it he ran the numbers i did the rapping we we're going back and forth and we didn't really plan it and it was just kind of like that was when i was like oh i like coaching i don't i don't want to teach no more like i like this <laughs> right? And it uh, turns out, man, me and this guy—he, uh, we've we've actually been at a few like little drinking hole parties at the same time. Like we went back on like Facebook and like Instagram, like mutual friends. Oh, we've hung out together before. We just didn't remember it. And uh, he's the one that wrote me into strength and conditioning. He's the one that took me out of high school and put me in strength and conditioning. Wow. but Yeah, we wanted we we got lucky. We won a title. We won a title with that team. USAP on uh, national champions 2018.
0: Did you really Ball. national champions? Yeah, we
1: yeah we went to Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, we beat out every state. Um, we just we drove some minivans yeah 16 hour drive everything that could go wrong went wrong and then uh, somehow the boys pointed out man we got lucky man that team had so many great kids great athletes they were all born that way for me I was just keeping them healthy they all knew how to live I just had to make you know change the wheels change the hubcaps little paint job just make sure that you know the car doesn't break and uh, we won you know they did all the hard work
0: What's cool, though, is you, you stayed out of the way a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of times a lot of coaches would have just been like, this is my program, I'm doing this, no. we're going to do that. Instead, you just, hey, go ahead.
1: So, so the transition was uh, this, the coach, um, I'm just going to name drop, and then Nick Dowdy, he's the, one of the assistant strength coaches at Florida State, he, he helped that team a lot. He had those boys, those seniors from eighth grade to their junior year. So I got the seniors their senior year.
0: Oh, Pretty okay, much gotcha.
1: a 99% finished product, right? And so we overlapped each other as teachers. And of course we had the freshmen, freshmen and the juniors, and uh, they already had great numbers. They were already strong, right? I just mixed into the things they didn't have a little mobility work, how to recover, let's fine tune this, this, and this, and this. But I'm not, I wasn't touching the program. I wasn't trying to touch anything. I thought, like, y'all are already strong. We're just fixing a little blank, filling the blanks a little bit and um, won a few meets, made it to with Madison and uh haven't
0: looked back since. That's incredible, man. That's so awesome. What are some of the some of the the best uh lifts that you saw there pr- from the kids?
1: Oh one of my favorite ones was uh this kid he he's playing ball he's playing ball for Ole Miss right now he uh-huh. um, 81 kg okay so we got bumped for an illegal belt. Like, so we checked in with the belt, equipment check before the meet started, everything was good to go. As the meet's happening, gets popped for an illegal belt. So his first deadlift, he did it beltless, right? Yeah. Didn't hit. The next second one, his competitor next to him, hey, you can use my belt. Wow. Right? Like some cool stuff. Yeah, and that's actually that cool. That's, that's happened. And then the third his third dead, prime time, lights are down, last platform going. He had to get this dead to take gold. It gets a little sticky. It gets a little sticky off the ground. Like We're not sure what's gonna happen. And then him being the athlete and guy he is, just locked it through. And uh, it's probably the best Tiger Woods fist pump moment
0: I've ever had in their career. It was wild. <laughs> that's awesome man so i i love powerlifting i think it's awesome i think it's interesting you know powerlifting coaching in high school and stuff like that too as well that's why i had to ask you in regards to that man but you kind of shift gears a little bit uh as far yes, as like what you're doing now at future obviously working with you know uh the general population and everything like that um what have you found to be successful within your new role um and, and being able to, to help people get their goals right
1: I think the most successful thing for me, like now, like I did so bad my first year. It's could be so crazy. Like my first year at Future was like a disaster as far as like the way I communicated. Cause I was still thinking I was in the weight room. Right. So then my mental was still like weight room, strength coach, clients ask for accountability. So I'm giving the accountability that I would give like one of my athletes, right? But they're not athletes. So the clients aren't ready for that level of accountability yet or that tone or that delivery. So I had to kind of like step back and I like figure out like what's going on. It's just like, oh, like none of these clients, kind of like we talked about earlier, they're not they're not trying to hit a 1500 total. I and mean, they're not trying to get three white. Like none of them are trying out for the NFL or the NBA. Like it's like most of the moms just want to go home and be a good mom, you know, make sure their back holds up, get out of the car in one piece without you know everything popping. So it's just like, oh, okay. I have to figure out how to communicate to that. And it, it took a while, it took like a year, a year to figure it out. And now it's just like. I pretty much think of it like I'm trying not to coach anymore. You know, after I switched to mental for like, instead of like trying not to coach anymore for like six months, if we want to call it like a mental emotional GPP for like six to nine months, right? yeah, get them ready, give them the juice, give them the confidence that they don't have in themselves, like that type of thing. Relatable, right. Like what we were talking yeah. about. And then once all that happens, they buy into you as a coach. And now like the training can start happening. Right. So I think, the mental switch on that took a while, but that's helped me out
0: the most. I love that you talked about getting that GPP for them. I think a lot of people could just, a lot of people could do just from general GPP work.
1: 100%. They can see a
0: ton of results. It's, it's like, they
1: don't need a tier system to start out with. You know, they don't need triphasing or, or modified conjugate their first two weeks of training without ever, ever trained, you know? Exactly. Like it's just too much for them. And it's just like, so for me, it's just like, oh, like if a client gives me a goal, I try to put it on a timeline away from now. Okay, your goal is still important. It's three, six, month, nine months away. I don't really tell them this, but I think about it in my head. Your goal is here. What can I do to help you get there? So then we start from like, you know, level zero, or if it's a negative, not I don't want to say negative, but if we have to prep the mental, if we have to prep the confidence for two weeks, a month, working the courage up to walk into a gym, like. Some of us forget that, you know, when we are training, we've been training for a long time, like the guts it takes to get out of your car and like walk into the gym. That, for
0: some clients, that's a win that day. Um, I can fully understand with that. You know, I'm lucky I have a home gym, but even through all my years of training, I still would get insecure going into, uh, right now I would get insecure going into a gym because it's un- like, it's just unfamiliar and you feel um, uh, vulnerable right? For sure. And, I, and I've for been, tra-
1: sure. and I've been training since I was 13 years old. And it's like, and we forget it. Like if you've been training for a while, you kind of forget what that feels like, but you become a regular, you become a grinder, but it's just like some of these clients, they're just starting from day one grounds. They're just trying to work up the courage to maybe sign up for future. That's a huge win for them. Like they might've been waiting, what, six, yeah. six months, two years, three years to work up the guts to train, find a coach. And then it's like two weeks of not going to the gym, because it's like whatever it is, anxiety, busy, things happen. And it's like, I feel like coaches kind of forget that sometimes, what that, that used to be like.
0: And I think that's really important that you've realized that, like that self-realization as a coach of being like, okay, I need to understand where they're at right now to where we can get them to where they want to be.
1: 100%. It's the way I like, I remember when I couldn't even do my first pull-up. I couldn't even do one. I couldn't even do one full one the first time I tried to pull up. It was like a half of one and like my brother cussed me out. My cousin cussed me out. He said, what are you doing? You can't even do a pull up. And I was like, man, I I've never tried to do a pull up before. So it's just like that you're remembering those moments and just realizing like clients are going through things like that.
0: But what's cool is is that you down the road can give them that confidence now and and, and doing stuff that they never thought would be imaginable. You know, whether that's one pull-up, that then they can do three. It's like, oh my yep. gosh, yep. like this is incredible. All in because you, it took that extra time in the beginning instead of rushing the process to where then after like three weeks, they're like, this, this isn't for me.
1: For sure. Man, it's like, and you know what you said, like rushing the process. I feel like that process is kind of like uniform, almost rigid in like the athletic strength world. Cause you know, you get athletes, you get a timetable of freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, some are one and done we know gpp we know off season in season things like that but it's like that process is anywhere between three weeks to nine months for general population right it just varies it varies on what's going on in their own head and their own lives so it's like we have to be patient with that
0: i think patience is it 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 takes time obviously i mean i'm still learning patience every single day i think everybody is but as a coach you have to be really patient whether you're working for sure whether you're working with NFL guys, uh, you're working with whoever. I think patience is a big thing. Don't what is the what's the phrase like? Don't overbake the cake or something like that. Don't risk yeah. the cake, something like that. But I don't know. That's for sure, man. Well, hey, um, we'll go ahead and get winding down here, uh, John. Yes, um, sir. I appreciate you being on here this week. I you know, I'll get you out of here. On my last question: What are you grateful for?
1: man, people that really cared about me, right, I think that's, like, the number one thing I'm most grateful for is, like, none of this is, I'll call it lucky, I call it lucky, I'm not self-made, you know, I didn't do this on my own, like, I've had so many people come into my life that, like, made me a better man, a better person, and then I ended up being a better coach, and it's, like, now it's just, like, I want to pay them back, like, I want to pay back all the people that helped me and, like, do the best I can and what they believed in me. Like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't believe in myself at some times. Right. And I had other people believe in me. So it's like, Oh, let me do this with my clients. Right. Like, let me, that's the most thing I'm grateful for is just people, people that just cared about me. And uh, I just want to do right by them.
0: I love that, man. That, that hits home. Just being able to have the others that help you, man. Well, people want to reach out to you. They want to follow you. How can they follow you and reach out to you?
1: Uh, I just opened up an Instagram again. I'm trying to figure out this thing. You know, I missed it. I missed the, I missed Instagram for like a year. Um, it's Johnsa so, all lowercase, and uh, I believe it's an underscore at the end.
0: All right, well, John, hey, I appreciate you being on the podcast this week, man. And me- everybody, make sure you follow him. And everybody, stay strong. Yep.